Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Hallelujah. You guys ready for the word today? Man, let's just jump right on into it. Thank you, Dr. Jack. Man, white boy got some groove. <laughs> Turning your Bibles today. Thank you. To John chapter 17, verse number 14. Have you enjoyed these meetings thus far? Um, I want to uh, personally thank the worship team. Haven't they done an amazing job thus far? Come on, give them a hand. Hallelujah. Doing amazing. And then if you worked in the children's ministry, I want to say thank you on behalf of this church. Come on, any children ministers up in the house today? Hallelujah. A couple of them. Amen. Thank you guys for serving. Sound booth, you guys are doing amazing. Hallelujah. You guys got the power. I got the power. Sorry, 80s flashbacks. Sorry. Uh, the mullet is coming back. The Camaro Z28 is coming back. T-tops. Anyways. John chapter 17, verse number 14. All the ushers have done an amazing job, haven't they? We're so grateful. And it's been an amazing conference. Man, and um, you know, we got today and tonight. And I always believe it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And um, so we're going to finish strong tonight. I encourage you to be here tonight. Um, I have a message uh, specifically for this church. Um, The Lord um, put some things on my heart for you guys. Um, We have the privilege of coming and ministering to you guys um, at least once a year. Then, of course, you see us on the missions field. So my heart is connected to you guys. Um, Obviously, I'm very connected to uh, Pastor Jack and Miss Marie and all the things that they do around here. And um, so when your heart's connected, you hear um, things from the Spirit that sometimes maybe the pastor won't hear, but I'm supposed to come in alongside and lift up his hands and help minister to the church. Um, So there's some things I've heard by the Spirit concerning this church and concerning the season. Um, So don't miss tonight. The title of the message is How to Experience the Fullness of God. So don't miss tonight. It's going to be good. But in John chapter 17, verse number 14, Jesus is speaking here. He's actually talking to our Heavenly Father. And he's saying this, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world. Just as I'm not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Verse 16, they are not of the world. He had to say that again. Just as I'm not of the world, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. Now, as I just got finished reading that, I want you to look to your neighbor and just say, what in the world are you doing? Now, you got to say that with some sass. you got to say that with some, we're, we're south, so you can, you can add a little, what in the world are you doing? Now, if you're from Boston, I don't know how they say it in Boston up north. I, I'm just, I'm, actually, the far, furthest north as I've been is Chicago. And, uh, well, actually, we went to Canada this year. But anyway, so I don't, I'm not from the north. I'm from the south. So basically when Jesus was talking here, he's talking to God and he's basically saying that I've given them your word, but the world hasn't liked it. 
I have not called them to be of the world, but I've called them to be in the world. And kind of picking back and what, with all the wonderful messages that have been spoken and stuff, I just want you to know that the church is not to be of the world. The church is to be in the world, but not of the world. In fact, the church should set the standard for the world. Can I get a better amen than that? But the grim reality is, is this not happening that way. What's happening is, is the world is creeping into the church. Now, I've had the honor of ministering as a pastor for, you know, two decades now. And, and um, I've learned some things about church and about pastoring. I'm not finished learning. I've still got a lot to learn. But I've learned some things about pastoring, especially in a small town. You guys know Seminole's about 6,500 people. And um, everybody knows everything about everybody in a small town. Um, you know, God's moving in our city. We just, um, about a year or so ago, we got another stoplight. <laughs> We've been believing God for a supersized Walmart for years. Y'all don't even know how blessed you are here. Whenever somebody said, you know, you got to get prayed up to go to Walmart. Hello, that was for me. Um, but one of the things that you can be in a small town or in a big church, small church, big community, small community. There is something that's taking place in the body of Christ. It's been happening for several years now, for a long time actually. And it's slowly but surely the world is creeping into the church instead of the church creeping into the world. And Jesus said some profound statements here that I want to just remind you about tonight. He said this, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Let me say this, church. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are called to go into this world and impact this world, influence this world for Jesus Christ. Now, let's go on here. But that you should notice, he goes on and says, verse 15, that you should keep them from the evil one. So really, Jesus was basically saying, okay, I, I, I want them to go into the world. I've sent them. I've given them your word. I'm going to send them into the world. But I'm basically not concerned about them going into the world. I want to see that you, God, would keep them from the evil one. It's profound that he said that because we're going to get somewhere here in a moment about that. But verse number 16, he says, they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Notice this, your word is truth. Now, I want you to highlight, underline that if you haven't already. Your word is truth. And then verse number 18, he goes on and says, as you sent me into the world, this is profound, this is amazing. I also have sent them into the world. Hallelujah. So the, the church has a mandate to go into the world and preach the gospel. Now, what we have gotten accustomed to in the past several years, and I would say longer than that actually, is what I would call just bless me clubs. And to where we're just going to meet together, have a good meeting, have the Spirit of God move, and us, you know, go from one party, Holy Ghost party to another. Thank God for that. But we have to ask ourselves, where's the salvations? Where's, where's, where's people coming into the church getting saved? Now, I have to ask myself, ask myself that question a lot as a pastor. I want to make sure that if, if God's moving in my church, the number one sign that I can see that God's moving is salvations. So I'm having to go back over several years now and I evaluate myself as a minister, as a pastor. All right, hold up. Is there people rededicating their lives to the Lord? Are they getting saved? Because that's really God's first and primary way that the Spirit of God moves. Can I get a better amen than that? 
Thank God for Holy Ghost parties. We're going to have one. We always have one. I have a lot of them in our church. We love to party. But if it's just a party for my friends, and I'm not bringing anybody else to my party, we're missing something. We as believers have to go into this world. We're not called to be of this world, but to go into this world and bring them to church, to bring them into the presence of God, to bring them to a place that they recognize, I need Jesus. That is our mandate as the body of Christ, the church. But what we've done, and I don't want to go into this a whole lot, but what we've done is that we've created Bless Me Clubs. I like to call it in small towns, they got like the Lions Club, the Rotary Club, where you come and you pay your dues and you talk about all the different events that you have and you eat around a little meal and then you go back out. I believe the church, come on, the church is much more powerful than the Lions Club, than the Rotary Club, than all the other clubs that everybody, the church is, is the body of Christ Jesus. He's ahead, we're the body. God created this thing called church. God created this thing called the body of Christ to change the world. Hallelujah. Now turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse number 19. But this is a situation that we're facing. And this is what Jesus had to have that communication with God. Because he said, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Well, why did he say that? Well, 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says why. Verse 19 says, we know that we are of God. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Now, this world has an influence to it. And that influence is directly from Satan. Now, we know that Satan is the God of this world. But thank God for Jesus. Those who accept him as our, as our personal Savior, we've been redeemed. We've been bought by the blood. We've been given authority, the right to rule and reign. So we don't have to be succumbed to the influence of Satan when we're out in the world. Because we have authority over him. But the reality is this. There are believers and unbelievers that are cons consistently, continually underneath the sway, the influence of Satan. Because, obviously, they work, you know, 40-plus hours a day. They're around crazy people. Come on, how many know what I mean by crazy people? You know, I, our, um, the community that I'm in is it's a large oil oil field. I've got to change my Texas slang here. I'm in Florida. Um, it's a large oil field, um, and it's the largest oil-producing county, in the, basically, in the state of Texas right now. And we're right in the middle of this huge boom going on, and they're saying that it's not even going to level off to like 2030. That's how big this thing is. And um, there are 18, 19, 20-year-olds that are getting jobs starting out six figures a year working in oil field. Um, and I, I, know, I know them personally. I know business guys, and I know oil field guys and things like that. Tons of money is coming into their hands because there's tons of, I mean, just, but they're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week easily. Um, and I have several guys that, um, in our church that work those kind of crazy hours, a week on, a week off, and those kind of things. They make good money, but they're underneath the sway of the wicked one all the time. What is happening in the oil field is because of the hours, guys get really tired, so they start taking drugs. Um, to keep them awake, to keep them going, because it's a very dangerous job. So they're around the Christians, around the drugs, they're around these guys that don't even want God, don't even have a desire for God. They're all about the dollar bill, making as much money as they can. So they're around this all the time, then they come to church. And it's really difficult for them because they just don't know how yet 
to lay aside that worldly influence and realize that they're on the oil field or they're out there in their job place to influence them. Whenever you begin to teach that, and as a pastor, I begin to show them that you're not of this world. You're there more than just to make the money, more than anything else to, to just provide the bills. You're there to win souls. And it, oh, it just boom. And then whenever you realize that you have authority and power over that sway of the wicked one, lives are forever changed. Revival comes in the oil patch. Why? Because there's men. I, me as a preacher, if I walk on the oil patch right now, they would look at me like, you don't belong here. So it's not me. I can't go on the oil field and lead people to the Lord like somebody that works for somebody that can. You are, the, you are the, the hands and the feet of the gospel. You go into the world and you bring people into the gospel of Jesus. You bring people into the church. So don't get tunnel, tunnel vision. The church is all about what I can get from God. You miss, you, we miss it whenever we're just like, I just need a touch from God. I just need this from God and, and this. And thank God for that. But there's others around you that actually probably need it more than you do. So it's important that you bring them to church. It's important that we as believers recognize that there's a world out there that needs Jesus. Now turn over to Matthew chapter 13. Jesus knew this and he began to tell a parable. And we know this is the parable of the sower. And lately, God's been just really downloading me some things. All the way when we got back from the, well, while I was at the Dominican, the Lord had downloaded some things into my spirit about what's going on with the church. And as a pastor, I, my heart is for the church. I mean, I love the church. Um, in fact, this morning, you know, my son's preaching for me in my pulpit there in our church. And I've already had texts this morning and things like that, trying to get things organized as I'm coming here. <laughs> but I love our church. I love what we're doing. Um, but in this moment, as I was praying, even for this church and even in the Dominican, the Lord said, this is one of the main problems or the main reasons why people aren't excited about coming to church. And notice what he says here. This is going to go pew, blow your mind. But check this out. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. Notice this. And the what? The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. What does he do? Choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. How many here have had a busy week? <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. Hey, are you alive? I mean, all of us have had a busy week. All of us have this temptation to have the cares of the world on us all the time. Now, several, it was about a year or two ago, I took a sabbatical, um, and I, I never thought I would need one. I'm always good to go. Um, my family really is like, no, Dad, you need to go on a sabbatical. So I took three weeks off, and um, that first week was really hard for me just to unhook from being a pastor and just spend time with the Lord. Then after that, it was on a Saturday that um, I spent some amazing time with God and got some breakthrough within me. And, and um, then Sunday morning came around, and, and it was the weirdest thing because all of my life, all, I mean, ever since I can remember, I always went to church on Sunday. I'm a preacher's kid. I was born again at the age of five, filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues at the age of eight. I am 50 years old. So I've been praying in the Holy Ghost for 42 years. Amen. So I, 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 I know this thing called church. And so I remember getting up Sunday morning, had an amazing time with God. We just fellowshiped and, and uh, read the word together. <clears throat> and, and I'll never forget, it was right around that 11 o'clock time. And I thought, well, I'm good, God, you good? And we, he's like, yeah, we're good, we're good, man. We had a great fellowship time. And then I thought, wow, 
the NFL pregame's coming on at 11.15, 11.30. And I'm like, I've been spiritual this morning. I can, like, all of my, I don't get to watch, like, preseason stuff, on, on, you know, pregame stuff. I am a Cowboys fan. And I want you to know how much I love Jesus because I'm here and the Cowboys' first game is tonight against the Giants. But I love Jesus. <laughs> but I love, I keep telling myself, I love Jesus. I love doing what I'm doing. You bring Jesus. Amen. So I'm, I'm like, I am sitting there on my couch at the cabin that we had, and, and um, Cowboy Games about to come on. The announcers were coming on. And as I'm sitting there, the, the Lord kind of pricked in my heart, just said this in my heart. He said, Are you enjoying yourself? And I said, Yes, Lord, I am. I, I'm relaxed, I'm chilled, and I'm, I'm ready. And He said, this is the problem with a lot of Christians. They work so hard all through the week, and they just need a time to just chill. And he said, but I didn't design my Sabbath, my Sunday, for a time to just chill. Now, I don't want to go too much into this because there's so much here. You guys realize that when God created the heavens and the earth, and then on the, what, the seventh day he rested, he didn't take a nap. Wow! God doesn't need to sleep. Actually, if you look that up, that word rest, it actually means to meditate, to ponder on what just happened. So whenever we take a Sabbath or whenever we're celebrating Jesus on Sunday, it's not a time to where we just take a break from our schedule and, and rest on Sunday, like take a nap and, and try to unhook from everything. No, you go to, we go to church to remember how good God is. Remember what He's done for us this week. And get encouraged by the Word of God and then go out the next week. Now God wants us to, to rest and all those kind of things, but we don't want to sacrifice our Sabbath just because we stayed out too late Saturday night. Can I help anybody here today? But this is what's happening, and I, I, I recognize that at the cabin because I, I don't miss church. I live church, so I don't know how it is to skip church. So I, I just don't, I don't know. I wish I could, like, feel, feel how you are if you miss church a lot. I don't know that. So God had to, like, reveal that to me. And he said, this is, then he goes on. He said, well, I want you to go back to your church. He said, I want you to create in your church a stress-free atmosphere. Because this is what, and this, is, and this has been the challenge for us, and we've been doing this for like two years, because what happens is you've been working all week long, and you're working and working, working hard, and then what do you have to do on Sunday morning? You've got to get dressed, you've got to be here at church early, because you've got to serve, you've got all this other, it, you, it's hard in your flesh to want to do that. Can, can I get a better, come on, anybody can relate to what I'm talking about. And it's, a, it's, it's basically a, let me get straight up with you, it's basically a tool of the enemy to put so much cares on you during the week that you forget to come to church Sunday. And what's actually happening is more than you being stressed, he is choking the word in your life. It's more than you being stressed out and too tired to come to church. No, if he knows that he can get you out of the presence of God, the word that you had previously is going to start to get choked. Go and look at your neighbor and say, take the chokehold off. Just take it, take it, take the choke, chokehold off. Amen. Go and look at your neighbor again and just say, what in the world are you doing? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 1, I'm going to read the Good News translation. It says this. 
as a matter of fact, my friends, I could not talk to you as uh, talk. I could not talk to you as I talk to people who have the Spirit. Now he's talking to the church at Corinth. I had to talk to you as though you belong to this world. He's talking to Christians. Okay, <laughs> it's gonna be good. <laughs> I had to talk to you as you belong to this world, as children in the Christian faith. I had to feed you milk, not solid food, because you are not ready for it. And even now you're not ready for it because you still live as the people of this world live. When there is jealousy among you and you quarrel with one another, doesn't this prove that you belong to this world living by its standards? Hello, somebody. This, this is what's happening um, with the church as a whole, Satan is getting everybody so stressed with all the cares of this world because he knows if he can get the cares of this world on them, he'll choke the word. And if you're choked by um, the cares of this world, you'll never grow up. You'll, you'll never grow up. You'll, you'll stay as a baby. Now, I always love to tell this, this, um, this, this story because it, 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 it's, it really kind of ties to this so well we have a um a board member in our church has been a part of our church ever i mean forever um and he owns a diesel mechanic shop there he's a tremendous him and his his wife is on our staff and it's just a tremendous uh man of god i mean he's one of those hard worker guys um full of integrity he's not like a preacher his wife more does the preaching and stuff but he's he's behind the scenes kind of guy and um i'll never forget we had a meeting at our house one time and i like to cook steak how many here likes a good steak Man, I like a good steak, like Texas-sized steak. I don't need one of them little things that are thin, and you, you like put it on the grill, flip it over, and it's cooked because it's so thin. I, I want something that when you eat it, you feel it go down. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't want to eat it, and they're like, well, I need another bite because I didn't feel nothing. So um, I was cooking steaks for our, for our board at that time. I love smoking steaks, and I marinated and do all this kind of stuff. And, and um, so we get there, and we're starting to eat. And then I see Johnny take a bite of the steak, and uh, we took another bite. And then we were talking, and I saw him get up from the table, and he goes into the kitchen. And I'm like, I wonder what he's doing in there, because I know that brother ain't getting A1 sauce. Because if your steak's good, you don't need no A1. That is outlawed in my house. If I see A1 in my house, you get out of my house. If you bring your A1 in my house, don't even come in through my front door. So he gets up and he's going in and I had to kind of look over there and he's leaning over the sink. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's choking. I'm like, he's choking and I'll jump up and I'll go, I'm going to save his life. You know, so I run in there and I, and I say, Johnny, how you doing? And I could tell he's trying to, he's, he's got the steak caught in his throat. And I just went, boom, on his, on his back. And it came out, you know, he, he threw it out and all that kind of stuff. And I'll never forget the look on Johnny Powers' face. Now, this is a diesel mechanic. His hands are huge. He's a big, huge guy. I mean, he's, you guys know him. I mean, he's, he is not, in fact, <laughs> Dr. Jack gave him a kiss on his bald head one time. I thought Johnny was going to throw a punch, man. I did, man. <laughs> I'm going to punch him. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to take the evangelist out of church on a stretcher. <laughs> <laughs> it was a power of God. No, my usher punched out the, the evangelist. But anyway, so Johnny, I'm like, I hit him. Like, it came out. And Johnny, I'll never forget, with tears in his eyes, he looked up at me and goes, that's a good steak. <laughs> I'm like, 
like, dude, I saved your life. And he goes, that's a good steak. <laughs> but what happened was, as he was choking on the steak, this is what happens with a lot of believers because of the cares of the world. Because of all the stuff that they're carrying, they come to church, the word's been choked, and when we as ministers try to give the meats of the word, they can't, they can't, they can't take it in. So what's happened is, is that in the body of Christ as a whole, most ministers have backed away from the meat because the people hasn't been able to handle it. Instead of teaching them how to feed on the Word of God, how to feed on the move of the presence of God, the move on the Spirit, we've, we've backed away. And it preached good little motivational speeches, good little speeches as milk. And that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. Because if we grow up and start eating some steak around here, can you imagine what kind of army the Lord's going to build when we start eating some steak? Uh, there's a, there's a, um, I played football in high school. There's a, there's a, um, uh, a town um, about 20, 30 minutes from us. It's called Denver City. And uh, we have always said they grow them big there, big oil field guys. And, um, and I really think they, like, didn't make it in college, so they just stayed back in high school year after year and played football. <laughs> I'm like, no, y'all, you are not 16 years old. You're like 25. <laughs> but anyways, and we used to, we used to go play them, and they're just so big guys. And I mean, I know they had, like, steak every meal. And you, you just tell because they just grew them big there. Can you imagine what we as ministers and as a church, when we start feeding on some good meat, the army that's going to rise up in these last days? And where does that start? It starts by us learning how not to carry the cares of this world. When we can learn to let the cares go. When we can learn to just let it aside. I'm coming to the house of the Lord because I need some food. I need some nourishment. And guess what? I got people around me that need some food too. I got too many anorexic spiritual people around me. You need more than salad. You need more than potato soup. So come with me. Let me teach you how to eat right. And I don't, it's lunch, I know. Forgive me, Lord. But we need to see this picture here. That it's not all about us just coming. We've got to get other people that need to eat. God is raising up an army in this last days. You're a part of that army. So it's time to just pull up to the table and let's see some steak. Let's get into the word. Now, now check this out. At the first of, uh, was it the middle of last year, this same gentleman, his daughter, his business is growing. I mean, he's just going this and, and going big and, and um, his daughter asked him, who works for him, um, asked him a question. She said, Dad, do you want a big business or do you want a great business? And it hit me when he told me that. I went, whoa, hold up. The Spirit of God got on me inside of me and he asked me this. He said, Todd, do you want a big church or do you want a great church? And I said, Lord, if I'm going to stand before you on Judgment Day, if I'm going to stand before you on that day, I, I, I want to know that I pastored a great church, not just a big church. To be big and, and, and that kind of, you can, you can, anybody can drink milk. I still drink milk. I still haven't acquired a taste for almond milk. I just don't see how almonds have milk. I know that's just me. I, I, when I see a cow, I think chocolate milk. When I see an almond, I don't see milk. I see a nut. <laughs> this is me. Sorry, I'm Texas. I'm sorry. I just... 
I think cow, I think milk. But anyways, so anybody can drink coconut milk or whatever milk. Anybody can drink milk, but not a lot of people can just like, I mean, you have to be older. You have to be mature. You can't, you got to have teeth to grind into a piece of meat. And for us as a church, that's our responsibility as a church is to get people that are used to drinking milk all the time, get them out of, get them off their blessed assurances and get into a place where they can get fed the meat of the word. But again, it starts with us not carrying the cares of this world. So how does Satan keep Christians from maturing? Simply this, he gets them stressed out. He gets them full of the cares of this world. You can go back to Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. Let me read this to you. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Let me say this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down or just listen to me. Check this out. Stress Christians are baby Christians. Stress Christians are baby Christians. Because baby Christians don't know how to cast their cares on the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, cast all your care on the Lord because he cares for you. Now, there's elements in my own walk with God I'm maturing. Then there's some other elements of my life, my walk with God that I'm growing up in. Like number one, traffic. I live in Seminole, and I still, I, I work by faith with the traffic in Seminole. Can y'all imagine whenever they were saying how much traffic they had to get here to church? I'm like, I've been delivered. I've been, I'm, I'm like thankful for Seminole, because four hours to get to a place, uh-uh. I can get across, I can get from Seminole to Dallas in four hours. And so for you guys to take four hours or an hour to get to a place, that just blows my mind. Because in Seminole, five minutes, you can get anywhere in five minutes. But even in Seminole, in five minutes, there's these guys that drive these big, huge green things called a John Deere tractor. And they think they own the road. And I have guys in my church that sit there and smile when I say this. Yep, that's me. And they have these big uh, uh, implements on the back of it. And then they can see, you can see them in the rearview mirror looking at you, smiling, as you're behind them going five miles an hour. And so for me, I'm like, all right, Lord, i got to have patience is one of the areas that I'm maturing in. I'm making a confession of faith. I'm maturing in patience. Love, I, I, it's easy for me to love people and to forgive people, honestly. I, I, that's, that, as a pastor, you've got to learn that. I mean, you get, that's just part of pastoring, is to learn to love people and, and, and forgive and move forward and go on with it. But patience, I mean, Lord, you're going to have to give me patience. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so what I just pray in the Holy Ghost. So you can have different areas. You're maturing and not maturing. But for us as believers, if you're consistently, constantly weighted down by the world, it shows you as a believer that that's a weakness. And that that has to change. And the reason why that has to change is because when you're weighted down, when you have the stress of this world, you have the cares of this world, it's more than you just being stressed out and unable to function. Satan is choking the word in your life. That's why when I say, um, basically, when I, when I say stress, calm, stress calms and, and it, it stresses you out and it makes you become stressed Christians are baby Christians. Let's not be stressed anymore. Do you realize how easy it would be for all of us to come to church on Sunday when we had no stress for the whole week? And what we can accomplish in the spirit realm whenever we don't carry the cares of this world. 
You, do you understand the messages that would be ministered from the pulpit has to change now because y'all are carefree. You're actually where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. It's actually happening. You're free. Can you imagine what will happen in the church in America whenever we as believers recognize we don't have to carry the cares of this world anymore? Satan's defeated. And it's a tool of the enemy to try to get people distracted from the presence of God. And he's a little punk. That's Texas, for he's a wimp, he's a punk. He doesn't deserve the right to put something on me. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I, I've learned, the Lord told me this, earlier this year, he said, Todd, you need to learn how to have more fun. And I went, what do you mean by that? He said, when's the last time you just had fun? Hmm. And do you realize that the Holy Ghost, he's hilarious. He, he is the most funny. I, I, I was telling Dr. Jack this the other day. We were just, me and him, was just walking out, Dr. Jack, but the Holy Spirit. Um, don't get those confused. <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> Woo! So I'm walking with the Holy Spirit. We're just, because I like getting up early in the mornings and I walk and I spend time with him. And um, he would remind me of some things that happened the day before. He said, remember when this happened? And I said, yeah, I remember that. I kind of chuckled. And I could, hear, I could hear him laugh. He said, yeah, that was hilarious. And we're just laughing about something that happened the day before. I just, I, he, when he told me that, you've got to learn how to have more fun. I'm telling you, the opposite of cares is joy. The opposite of weight is just freedom and peace. God did not call us to carry these cares. Nobody woke up this morning and said, I'm going to take a stress pill to get me more stress. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and take two pills so I can get more stress today. No, we're not designed. Even medical science can prove that we're not designed to carry cares. So all the things that you're going on, going through right now in your life, it really doesn't matter in light of being here with him. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. Let me put things in perspective today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you going to give me about five minutes here? Y'all have heard that too many times, huh? I got one minute, five minutes. Well, this will be my first closing, which means nothing. If a brother, you know, <laughs> never mind, I'll just keep moving. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the earth, or face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now a whole lot, I'm going to explain this, a whole lot happened right then. Okay, and it goes on, verse number four. And God saw the light, and it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So evening and the morning was the first day. Now, you understand, when it comes to being stressed and carrying the cares of this world, the reason why people get stressed or how does stress come, they basically don't know how to use their time correctly. There's a misuse of time. God created the heavens and the earth. He created time. 
He created light, darkness. He separated, called it night and day. So God, if he created time, then he knows how to help us work with the time we have. Come on now. See, God is not confined to time. He created time. So if we're going to not carry the cares of this world, it's going to start by us asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how do I work this day? What do I need to do on this day? Do you realize that the Holy Spirit can show you how to solve a problem and it would be done so much quicker that it gives you more time during the day because you solved that problem right the first time? Many times I've made a mistake without asking the Holy Spirit to do something and it caused me a lot of time. I had to go back and clean that mess up. I'll give you an example of this. And I, I made this mistake, and, I, and I'll never make it again, and I rarely ever make this mistake. But I always pray over the food that I'm about to eat. Even if somebody else prays for it, I pray for it too. Uh, you, how many understand what I mean? I, I believe your prayers are good, but I'm praying for my food too. Well, we're at, uh, we took all of our health ministry team to a bowling alley, and we had the best time. We had like 170-some-odd people there. It was, a, it was a blast. And um, and I happened to be, I was having a good time bowling with people, and just FYI, this is how bad I bowled that day, the side journey. We had, we had uh, of course, I bowled with my wife, and then we had um, our children's pastor and his wife, who's pregnant. She out-bowled me. A pregnant lady out-bowled me. And then my wife out-bowled me. No yay about that. I mean, and I mean, I'm like, I am, y'all, y'all don't even know, it got, I was in the flesh. I mean, I'm like, I'm speaking over that bowling ball saying, in the name of Jesus, break every bowling ball and break every, whatever they're called. And um, so I'm, I'm like this, so I'm, I'm like intense because I'm a very competitive person. I love to win. And so I wasn't even thinking, I was walking um, across the, the um, little foyer area there and there was a, a couple couples that had fried mushrooms sitting there. And I like anything fried. I'm still trying to figure out how to fry salad. Amen, amen. thank you for that amen. Right, anyways, so I'm, I, I, so I'm just saying, hey, can I, have a, can I have one of those mushrooms? And I'm like, absolutely, Pastor, go for it. Grab it, boom, in my mouth, just chewed it down. Just, boom, it tastes amazing. So much so that I had to go back and get some more. So I went back and got some more. I ate about three or four of them. And they were all laughing. You really like those? And I was like, oh, I got to get some energy because these girls are beating me. Or whatever it is. So, and then uh, another lady in our church came up and she gave me a whole big thing of fried mushrooms. Gone. I don't know how it happened, but it's just gone. And the next day I got up, it was Monday morning. The next day I got up and I'm dizzy. I'm like, what is going on? I felt something rumbling in my stomach. I don't throw up. I don't, I don't, I don't get sick. I, so I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I can't remember the last time I got sick. And so I'm like, I'm driving my truck. I go out to the church, get my Bible and stuff. We have men's prayer in the morning. And literally on the way back, I'm like, there's cold sweat came on me. I'm like, what is this? And I felt so, I'm not going to go into detail. But anyway, <laughs> opened up the door and the mushrooms came out. And I felt like horrible. And so I did men's prayer and everything, believe in God. And went back home and said, I'm just going to sleep this off, get up and go to work and all that kind of stuff. And I couldn't get out of bed. And I was like, what is this? This is hell. <laughs> I hate being sick. This is what is going on. <laughs> like, stop it. And, and I'll never forget I, that later on that day, I'll just begin to pray. Lord, what's going on? What is happening? What, what has happened? I'm believing you. you said, you didn't pray for that. You didn't pray for that. 
And that's why you, because you didn't exercise your faith and release your faith over that food, you got a bug. To this day, I will probably never eat another fried mushroom. <laughs> Done with the mushrooms. No more fungus in my life. <laughs> fried or not fried, done. <laughs> but I learned something on that day. You have to be always alert. And it's by the Holy Ghost because I didn't hear him. I was too busy trying to beat a pregnant woman and my wife. <laughs> that I missed being sensitive to him. So guess what? I missed a whole day of work, almost two days of work. By Wednesday, I was probably about 60%, still preached that night, all that kind of stuff. But I learned a lesson. I'm always got to be on. You know what? I'm always want to be sensitive to his presence. Always. And it's not something that I have to like, I'm working to do. No, I love being around my wife all the time because I love her. So having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, shouldn't, you shouldn't strive to have to do it. He's with you always. It's not something that you have to work at in a sense that um, I hope he's hearing me. I hope he's there. I don't know if he's there or not. No, he is there. Y'all check out something. I did some research about this whole thing. Let there be light. Now, I am not a mathematician. I'm not anything like that. Uh, but check out some of the research that I... Are y'all still good? All right, check this out. Here's some facts about light. So when God said, let there be light, there was. This is some facts about light. Light travels at one, uh, 186,000 miles per second. That's almost as fast as a vet. I'm kidding. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. The time it takes to snap your finger, light can travel around the world seven times. When God said, let there be light, it was more than just a light bulb going, ding. And then not only that, but God created the whole universe, galaxies, in that moment. Now check this out. Light has to be that fast because light travels in the realm of universes. Okay, galaxies. The light in our universe obviously comes from the sun. And the warmth of that light coming from the sun, it takes eight minutes to travel to the earth. So the moment that you step outside and feel the warmth of the sun, it took eight minutes for that light to lead the sun to come to the earth. That's how big... Just our little puny little universe is. And God said, let there be light. Now check this out. The distance from the sun to the earth is 93 million miles. Million miles. Now if light was a car and we could travel that 93 million miles, it would take us eight minutes to get from here to the sun. Okay, now check this out. If you were to fly the fastest jet in the world to the sun, it would take five years at 24 hours a day at the speed of 2,298.6 miles per hour. That's how amazing light is. Astrophysics have said this. Um, they're from the California Institute of Technology, have discovered lately, I think a couple years ago, they discovered that there is a galaxy 13 billion light years from the earth, they found it. 13 billion, not millions, billion light years from earth. That's how big our universe is. God said, let there be light. Pooh. Galaxies, billions and billions of light years away, God created it. 
Now, now check this out. Let me give it a little bit more. A light year is basically how far light travels in a year. Light travels at 5.88 trillion miles a year. Trillion. <laughs> it's amazing. God said, let there be light. Now, now, now check this out. Light again travels 5.88 trillion miles a year. That is 186,000 miles per second for it to travel 5.88 trillion miles a year. That's how far that galaxy is that they just found. Isn't that amazing? Now, 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 now check this out. That furthest galaxy that they just found, they had to take um, a telescope in, um, here on the Earth, I think it's in Hawaii, and they put it on a satellite to connect with that other um, telescope to go to see that far out into the galaxy. So the farthest galaxy that has been discovered, if you were to put this, and this blows my mind math, mathematically, it says this, you, you, got to, you have to take that 5.88 trillion miles a year and times that by 13 billion light years away and that's how far that galaxy is think about that for a second when god said let there be light poof, galaxies were made it's amazing how god is so when god created light he created time it was much more than just a 24-hour day when he said light be galaxies were formed by his word. One word. Light be. All of this took place. So when God said let there be light, galaxies and universe were made. But check this out in Psalms chapter 33 verse number 6. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He created the universe, the galaxies. He created time. Time cannot confine him. He is a creator of time. So there's no way that the creation can um, have authority over the creator. So there's nothing that really can confine God in our little world. God is bigger than time. So again, what causes the stress of the world and all that is a misuse of time. If we allow God to take care of our time, come on somebody. When we allow God to say, I want to manage your time. The creator of all. He sees all. He knows all. He created all. When we allow him to take care of time, the cares of this world leaves and we can get into the meat of this word. Time was created when God separated light from darkness. And if he created time, he has power over time. Now I'm going somewhere. Proof of this is found in Joshua chapter 10 when God answered the prayer of Joshua and he made the sun stand still for a full day. He proved that. He said, I'll answer your prayer, Joshua, and I'll stop time. Woo, ain't God a big God. Now, check this out. Y'all ready for this? I've got all this to this because some of y'all are like, pew, kind of out there already. Now, check this out. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 11. Check this out. You guys know this. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God already knows your future. Let me say this. God has already been in your future. Because he's not confined by time. For those that have, you know, small children, do you know that God has already seen, if the Lord tarries, he's already seen your grandchildren? Because he's not confined to time. He's already been there. God already knows. So what does Satan want to do? To try to keep us from remembering God already knows. 
He wants to get us so confined with all the stuff in the world to keep us from realizing God already knows. He created time. Now check this out. In Ephesians chapter 1, this is going to be good. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now check this out. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, before he said, light be, he was already thinking about us. Come on, before all those galaxies were made, he was already thinking about us. Before all the things that have taken place, he was already thinking about some Texas boy coming to Florida, preaching this message to you guys. He was already thinking about us right here, right now. That's how amazing God is. And then we're going to carry all the cares of this world? He is so much bigger. He's so much greater. He's so much grander than all the things in this world. You guys know this, but think about it for a second. If he already knows... Why do I have to try to figure it out? If he already sees my future, if he already knows my place, if he already knows all this, why am I losing sleep over it? He already knows. Come on, high five somebody say, he already knows. Come on, high five somebody say, he already knows. Come on, wake up somebody say, he already knows. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, God already knows. God already knows. Why am I worried about it? God already knows. Why am I fretting about this? God already knows. Why am I stressed about this? God already knows. Why am I losing sleep over this? God already knows. I don't know how to handle this situation. God already knows. He, are, he created everything. He created time. He already knows. Now I want to read something to you. Uh, King David, he, 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 got a, he got a hold of this about God. This is the Passion Translation. Psalms 139, verse number 1. Verse, down through verse number 7. Check this out. He said, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every moment of my heart and soul. And you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me. You read my heart like an open book. And you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even speak or start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep, incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go to up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. <laughs> Glory to God. Verse 13. You form my inner being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so wondrously, so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about how, uh, think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. 
You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place. Carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw, uh, you saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you've planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me, you, tr you, you cherish me consistently in your every thought. Oh God, your desires towards me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. Even I awake each mor morning, you're still with me. Woo! There's no need for us as believers to be stressed. There's no need for us to carry the cares of this world. God's got it. God's got it. Come on. God's got it. God's got it. God already knows. Come on. High five somebody say, God already knows. God already knows. Come on. High five somebody say, God already knows. Hallelujah. God already knows. Now, I want to close with this scripture in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 20. The Bible says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Woo! Glory to God. And you know all things. If God already knows, and you have the anointing on the inside of us, guess what? You already know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That should get somebody a little bit more excited. If God knows, which we know He knows... And we have the Holy Ghost on the inside of us, that anointing on the inside of us, then we already know. <laughs> high five somebody say, I already know. Come on, high five somebody say, I already know. I got the anointing on the inside of me. I got the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. God already knows. He created the universe. He created galaxies. He's created everything. And if he already knows, I got the anointing on the inside of me. I already know. I'm not stressed about this. I'm not anxious about this. I'm not going to get uptight about this. God already knows. Come on, somebody. God already knows. God already knows. If God already knows, I know. I know. Come on, somebody. I know. Come on, high five somebody and say, I know. God already knows. I know. I'm not worried. Come on, say that with me. Say, I'm not worried. I'm not fretful. God already knows. Woo, come on. God already knows. And if he already knows, I know. Come on, somebody say, I know. I know. God already knows. Oh, glory. Somebody got to stand to your feet and give God some praise today. Come on, somebody's got to say, yeah, I know. Say, I know, because God knows. Hallelujah, God knows. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week, and remember, the best is yet to come.